and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Yeah, Jesse, put a little hop in that step, my friend. Dance a little bit. We've got Canadian teams playing sports oh, tonight. Oh, oh, that's rare. We're zooming up to get the top of my hand. Sebastian Moran doing his job. That's right, kids. For the first time in almost a full week, we have three different games, including Canadian teams. Three of them. One. Two, three! With all the postponements, it's been tough to follow your teams, and we here at Tim and Friends feel your pain. But tonight, we've got three Canadian teams in action, three different games. Like I said, first time since January 4th, full week. The Raptors looking for seven straight mm. at home to a pretty damn good Suns team. The Canucks starting a really tough Three game, excuse me, five game roadie in Florida. First three games, trying to avoid that same fate that the Flames had through Florida and into Carolina. And the Toronto Maple Leafs looking to bounce back from another. Do I say it, Jesse? Like I've got bruised knuckles from knocking on wood so much in the last little while, but dreaded three goal collapse happens. Only to them. It happens. Only to them, but it happens. We'll, we'll, ex we'll explain <laughs> how often it happens to them coming up in first things first. Not only that, we have got a roster for the Canadian Olympic women's hockey team. I'm excited. I am ready to go. I'm going to be honest. I feel like the cheer dad who learned his daughter's entire cheer. I can't. Oh, Jesse! Sit down. Is that like? Is that where? Are you at? So there's there's I'm a couple on that. There's a couple different ways to go. One, it's awesome. He's taking interest in what his daughter does. Two, that is the epitome of a helicopter dad. Three, he is so attention starved that he can't sit the bleep down. It's the latter. To me, look, I, I get it. I get what he's trying to do here. <laughs> but at the same time, like, do that in private. Like, why? Why you got to do that there? Like, you know, you're going to end up on social media, and that's what he's trying to do here. Like, I respect it. And, and look, your opinion. You don't have to respect because your opinion and Sebi's opinion more important than mine because I'm not a dad. So would you do this? Would you guys do I that? I hate this. I hate this. Like you can't have an opinion. No, no, no. I just gave my opinion, children. but but I think yours is more <laughs> valuable in, in this no, case. You don't have to do that. I hate. I, I don't, it's facts. I know you're doing that to be nice. You're allowed to say that guy looks like a douchebag. Oh, I just it's did. fine. I just did. Sit down. Like people don't want to see you doing that. <laughs> yes. Do it in private. Like it's do, nice that do you it learned with it. your daughter at home, right? To help her practice. Yes. You don't need to show the world that. You you know it exactly maybe his maybe there's a maybe his daughter didn't have the confidence and he needed to stand up and do it with her right make so, sure that right. she felt that confidence to go out there and do that I don't believe what I just said 
I think that it's probably he loves the attention and knew that someone might be rolling behind yeah, him. Excuses for everything. I mean, <laughs> yes. if you asked him, that's probably what he would say. Doesn't mean it's jaded? the truth. Doesn't mean it's the truth. Let us know at Tim and Friends. Uh, there's an A, B, and C here. Yeah, I, I went with C. No for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. A no for me. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, we went a long way to say that. I'm excited. Jess is excited. <laughs> And that we can't wait to get into this. Nice routine, though. Uh, Frank Saravelli in the virtual roundtable. We'll talk some hockey. We'll comb through the national championship. John Paul Morosi is going to join us as a part of that roundtable. He has a Hall of Fame ballot, which has been cast. It includes Bonds and Clemens. We'll walk down that road with him. Some more soccer for you, too. Canada begins the year atop CONCACAF on the men's side. But in some real COVID caca, we'll discuss... Not former Brazilian caca. I mean, COVID caca. We'll discuss with former Canadian international Craig Forrest who will join us in the second hour. But we start once again with Mr. Jesse Rubinoff. First things first. So let's put on a show. Mathieu Dandano. Nice. Yeah. First things first. I got a head nod from Sebi. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Mathieu Dandano. I'm on a run with Sebi over the last little while. Impressed. Your favorite name? Yeah, it is my favorite. It's my favorite francophone name so of all good. time. Mathieu Dandano. Yeah, pretty good. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Um, so you mentioned, Timmy, a couple yes. Canadian teams back on the ice tonight, which is huge because we don't get that very often. The Leafs are in Vegas. They're coming off a 5-4 OT loss to the Avs on Saturday after blowing yet another 4-1 lead, as only the Leafs want to do. Uh, while the Canucks are in Florida visiting the Panthers. They've won 10 of their last 12, 8 of 9 under Bruce Boudreaux, and are playing their first game since New Year's Day, which is insane. Yeah. Let's start with Vancouver, Timmy. How excited are the fans to see this team back on the ice finally? I'm glad we started there because I think fans just want to see their teams play. Yeah. Like, they just they need the distraction. We've learned over the last two years how valuable the distraction is, and for both Vancouver and Toronto to have their teams on the ice today, it, it means a lot, and I'm glad that's where you started the question but like breaking it down it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out like um could this break and these postponements postponements hurt the canadian teams oh, yeah. moving forward because you would have to think that they are going to play a condensed schedule but does this little break in the you know i guess it's still in the first half of the season mm-hmm. does it give them a little bit of juice while the american teams have just been kind of going full throttle yeah i mean it couldn't come at a worse time though that's that's the issue like having not played these games three games in 25 days for the canucks like that couldn't come at a worse time because they were on a roll they hadn't been for on them, yeah they hadn't been on all year long and it was finally turning the corner everything was coming around the penalty kills have been better the power play has been better but now you're getting into a situation where yeah you're probably going to be a little bit rusty number one and number two, you're right, condensed schedule, and that does not work in the Canadian team's favor. All of them, all of them have gone through this. Right, and I was, I, if you're focusing in on the Canucks, yeah. I understand how they're the example. I was talking about all Canadian yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah. Like, is this going to hurt them For sure. as a collective group? For sure. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Like, we're going to have to watch how they come out of this break. Remember when they had the bye weeks? Do you remember when the NHL introduced the bye weeks mm-hmm. and teams were losing in their first game out of the bye week? It was a pretty significant stat about losing their first game coming out of the bye. I think it's really interesting to see how all of these teams come out of the bye. Now, the Canucks, if we want to focus in on them, it's obvious. Like, listen, this is they have the best road record since November 29th. 
this five-game road trip that they're currently on is going to test them. The first four are against really good teams. Uh, and the Vancouver Canucks have played unbelievably under Bruce Boudreaux. But, but let's be honest, this is the same trip that tripped up the... I should use different words. This is the same trip that uh, had the Calgary Flames yeah. stumble a wee bit, right? Florida, Tampa, Carolina. This is going to be a huge test for a team that was playing as well, if not better, than anyone else in the National Hockey League yeah. before we got hit with the latest pause. Yeah, it's just hard to gauge, like, what rope do you give these teams now, right? Because the Canucks are playing so well, and they come back and they're playing this team that you just said in the Florida Panthers that have been unbelievable. We're going to find out. Unbelievable. And then, like, what? They lose tonight and they lose again. And, like, how much do you chalk that up to to rust? And it'll just be interesting to sort of gauge the temperature hey, this of is, the fan base. This is why we love the game. Yeah, Because totally. you don't know. I mean, you you can we, you and I can both surmise. We can both come up with some sort of idea of what we think is going to happen. Yeah. They could struggle. They might not struggle. This is why we love the games. This is why we love having them on because we're about to find out, and we're about to find out how good they are. 100%. If you're talking about the Vancouver Canucks, like on the road in Florida, in Tampa, in Carolina, those are three of the best teams in the National Hockey League, yeah. and this is how they start up again. So, yes, it's a baptism by fire. Yes, you'll probably give them some leeway if they start stumble through this five-game road trip. But if they play well, yeah. if they grab a couple wins, the momentum that they can take from a trip like this could be something that they can really build on. Like, this 10-1-1 is nice. You know they're back in the hunt. You know they're back in and around a playoff conversation. But if they go through this trip and come out with some results, look the bleep out. You're right. If you win, there's no need for excuses. Right. Because you're winning. The, the excuses thing is something interesting because I saw Sportsnet stats when it came to the Leafs on Saturday night. Obviously, Leaf fans are drooling at the idea of Toronto going into Colorado and doing what they did to the Avs early in that game. They got out to a big lead. Yeah, they did. Two different three-goal leads, 3 nothing and 3-1. And, of course, they go and blow it. And Sportsnet Stats tweeted out the Leafs' six-blown 4-1 leads since their 2013 Game 7 collapse is the most by any team <laughs> in this time frame. No one else has more than four. I really want to see what the Leafs do with this adversity. I think that the way that this Toronto team in the past has dealt with adversity, has left a lot to be desired. Like, when they get punched in the mouth, they haven't exactly responded in big ways. And I don't know how big this punch in the mouth is, but if I'm Sheldon Keith, I am telling the entire team, you just got slapped. Someone walked up to you, and they slapped you in the mouth. How are you going to respond? And tonight's game against Vegas is a good opportunity to prove that you are not the same team that in the past has struggled with adversity. That's a, that's a very good point that you make. Like, I, I wonder... I hope, because so, they pay me to make these points. I mean, so the, <laughs> so the fan base... <laughs> look, the fan base obviously reacts the way the fan base would react to another 4-1 loss. Of course. But what's interesting is how do they and react... so do other fan bases. Right. How do they react in the room? Because, like, the reality of the situation is a lot different than what the fan base Correct. would suggest. Like, they believe in themselves, I believe, in that locker room. They're a very good team. Very hard to find weaknesses with this team. And they played against an exceptional hockey team that has been ridiculously good on home ice. And, not to mention what we've discussed on the, the, the Canadian teams not playing, the Leafs are in the same boat, too. They hadn't played very much hockey as of late either. Yep. So, at some point, I think the Leafs, 
don't read too much into that loss. Take a couple positives away from competing with the Avs and then move on. Like, I, I just don't think yeah, that the I, Leafs I, I, think no. about the same way as the fan base. Do, do you, like, I don't think that they move on. Like, I think that they need to challenge themselves. I think they, they, I think they have built up enough of a runway here where they have proven to themselves that they are a very good team. And no, no, but they've done that in the past. No, playoffs are done, different. They've done that in the past, Jesse. They've had great runs. I know. Where they've given themselves some leeway. What I'm saying is they need to take that as an affront. They need to take that as we got slapped in the mouth and we better come out the next game and prove that that was an anomaly. Like, I, I want them to take it as an insult. I don't know if I agree. You don't have to. No, I know. I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying. I just think they, they probably think they're good enough and they can move on. And, and even if they lose tonight, like the, the playoffs, losing 4-1 in the playoffs is a different thing altogether than losing 4-1 to a regular, in a regular season game to one of the best teams in the league. I, I don't agree think with, you need I to agree just, with you, but I don't they, need to rock the boat at all. I, I agree with you, but I think they need reps in adversity Yeah, because they haven't dealt with it. This season, for sure. <laughs> They haven't dealt with it well at all. In a decade, since 2013, which is almost a decade now, I guess. They, didn't, they had adversity, but they didn't deal, didn't deal with, with it well. It, yes. They yes. haven't dealt with it well in, like, since 1967. <laughs> you want to go back that far? Uh, there's another story that is making the rounds right now that is remarkably interesting, and that's <laughs> the one surrounding Evander Kane. So, Elliot Friedman told us, uh, this was going to happen this weekend if you were watching Hockey Night yeah. in Canada with Evander Kane. As much as it pains me to admit it, uh, Fridge was right. <laughs> um, from fighting the release and that there was a bunch of teams interested in him. Uh, we brought up the Oilers yesterday. Ken Holland was asked today about Evander Kane specifically. He didn't shy away. Here's what he said. I believe in second chances. You know, I, I, it's hard to be perfect. In, 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 we're all people. We all make mistakes. Some make big mistakes. Some make little mistakes. But it's hard to be. It's hard to be perfect. I have talked to uh, to Dan Milstein, his agent. You know, I'd say to you as the as a manager, it's my responsibility to. You know, investigate every situation. Um, you know, talk to managers. So um, I have talked. I have talked to Dan. I believe in second chances, too. But when we're talking about Evander Kane, <laughs> are we talking about, like, chance three, four, yeah. and five? Yes. Like, all we're doing is simply driving home the point that in pro sports, if you have world-class talent, there will be a team ready to take a chance on you, right? 100%. 100%. I, I think what's really interesting about this particular situation, it's – the effect that the salary cap m- might have on Without a doubt. these sorts of decisions. Like, if the, if the Oilers had salary cap room and they weren't as desperate for sort of a cheap value player, would they actually be kicking the tires on Evander Kane, given everything that you just said? Two, three, four, five issues that he's had playing in the National Hockey League? Like, there wouldn't be this many teams calling. But because Ken Holland and the Oilers are up against the cap, like, you've got to find a way to get depth scoring on this team. And this is a guy that still, last year, was almost a point per game. So how can you not look at it, right? No, this is, like, tough 30-goal scorers don't become available all that often. And you could probably get him on a cheap deal, too, because of his contract situation with the San Jose Sharks. Like, this is... I hope that this is due diligence that Ken Holland is doing, and I hope for 
Oilers fans or the fans of any other team who might be kicking the tires on him, this is due diligence and not desperate times call for desperate measures. But it sounds like the Oilers aren't the only one. You saw that Emily yeah. Kaplan tweet. Yeah. Like, there are, what, enough GMs who think there is room, that room is strong enough to take him on. It's not a matter of when, or sorry, a matter of when, not if. Evander Kane gets another chance in the NHL. Like, all I'm saying is you better have a strong room. Mm-hmm. And for Evander's case, like, I, I hope he's got the help and the support that he needs because he's been through a lot over the last little while. Like, like is we this the best ju- for him? We were just talking about Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, right? Yeah. And all the things that, like, if someone shows you what they are, believe them. Vander Kane showing us a bunch of times what he is. And listen, are you in a better spot? I know he needs the money, mm-hmm. right? So he wants to play because he needs the money. And we all know that because his, 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 personal, yeah, his yeah. personal life has been out in the papers. So he needs the money. But is he better off on an NHL team with the support that an NHL team could, could give him or on his own? I do not know the answer to that because there's pressures that come with playing in the NHL, and he's had a lot on his plate in the last one hundred percent. That that's going to be so interesting to see how that plays out. Because, but let's I, not kid ourselves. Like every NHL team, every team on planet Earth, where you get paid millions of dollars to do what you do as a GM or as a coach, looks at this and says. This guy can help me keep my oh, million-dollar yeah. job. Oh yeah, did feel a little bit icky when he said like second chances, because as you pointed out, like it's not, it's not a second chance. No. Three, four, five, we're talking here. So, um, okay, let's go to the Toronto Raptors, who will go for their seventh straight win tonight against a tough Suns team, tied for the best record in the NBA. Now, Timmy, we, yesterday we talked about how good Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam have been. The Raps will, of course, need them tonight. Is this game an opportunity for the Raptors to make yet another statement here? Uh, yes, and it seems as though the Nets aren't listing anybody as DNP border, uh, like we have had in the past little while with teams coming to Toronto, where the opponents are afraid to bring their best players across the border just in case they test positive and have to stay here. This will be a true test for the Toronto Raptors, and I'm looking forward to it tonight. And Freddie, Pascal have been at an unbelievable level. Mm-hmm. I want to see OG. Chris has really played well, too. Chris Boucher has played really well. Like, people were ready to judge him on what he was doing with a bunch of people on 10-day contracts. Like, same thing with Pascal. Now's the time to judge what the Raptors are. This Suns game will be very interesting for a lot of hardcore Raptor fans who want to see exactly what they have. Yeah, I mean, you're you're bang on. Because recently they've been playing teams that have been really banged up, right? So... Uh, the Suns doesn't appear like they are at all. Now, Georgia, banged up or shorthanded. Or shorthanded, yeah. yes. Yeah. Banged up, yeah. I guess they go one and the same nowadays. <laughs> yes. uh, Georgia took down Alabama last night in the national championship game to win their first title in 41 years. The Bulldogs' defense sealed the game with a late pick six off Eisman winner Bryce Young. And the win also snapped Georgia's seven-game losing streak to Nick Saban and the tie. Timmy. Were you surprised with how this game played out? Yeah. My betting account was. Yeah, I just figured that, like, the longer Alabama hung around, the more Nick Saban and the team's championship pedigree would take over. But it was the exact opposite. Like, Bama got the lucky bounce. Like, who would have that? That fumble recovery was unbelievable. Like, just, I, I have no idea how it happened. But it did happen, and it looked like, okay, this is just Bama taking over. They got lucky. Here we go. But it was the exact opposite. 
Georgia absolutely, after this play, took over and executed when it mattered most. And that's rare for a Nick Saban-led team. Like, I guess he and Bama are human after all. Yes, no question. Um, So why don't we go to a clip that I thought was really interesting from Nick Saban uh, at the podium after the game, obviously a situation where Bryce Young and and Will Anderson, his two leaders, one on offense, one on defense, and they're going to be criticized the next day or that night because they lost the game. But here's what Nick Saban did in their defense, standing at the podium or sitting at the podium after the game. Bryce and Will, thanks for your time. We'll let you head back to your locker room. I'd like to say something. Can I say something? Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team. Uh, and they, they they contributed tremendously to the success of this team. And we would not be here without them. I just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud I am of these two guys. Very cool. Like, I, I, I you know... Sid Sixero used to sit here and say, like, Nick Saban was basically one step above the devil. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of people out there who believe that. Oh, yeah. Uh, But you've seen some glimpses. His his talk with Kirby Smart after the game, I don't know if you caught that. That seemed to show a little soft side. Maybe it comes with this experience. Maybe it comes from knowing that you're the best coach of all time. But to see Nick Saban do that, I hope it's, uh, it's something that other coaches take into account seems like he's just getting likable like you said with age um so there was a stetson bennett clip the georgia quarterback that we're going to play a little bit later on good morning america you're going to want to stick around uh, to see that so good um before we head to break match game time why not because it was the national championship game last night alabama georgia um and so we figured why don't we show the, the computer? There we go. Okay, so what happened was in this situation, Kobe Dean was given the wrong national championship hat last night, which is ridiculous to begin with. I don't think I've ever seen For that For those before. who can't see it up close, uh, he's wearing see. a national there champion's hat that has an Alabama there go. sign on it. That is ridiculous. Do you think he knew? I don't know if he knew. Okay. Anyways. So because of this, yes. Kobe Dean given an Alabama championship hat, yeah. we decided to make match game. Because of that, yeah. So why don't we go to a couple of responses? I haven't seen a mistake this bad since blank. Yes. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since. Uh, Easy says, since the timeout from the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Too soon. Match game. Hashtag match game. Bring him in. Uh, Mike says, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since this beauty oh. from... Marcus Simeon. Now that he's gone, you can do that? What the hell are you doing? I guess. I guess. (laughs) guess. Uh, And last one. um, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since... uh, I have made a mistake. (laughs) Steve Harvey. uh, I still think they did that on purpose. Uh, I don't know. It generated a ton of buzz. But keep... Bring them in. Because there's a lot of good responses that we're going to get to later in the show. So uh, usually when we show these things, we get a ton of responses. So bring them in. Uh, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since blank... Uh, Make sure you hashtag Tim and Friends, hashtag Match Game, so Jesse can find them easier and bring them to all of us. Still to come, Craig Forrest on Lorenzo Insignia, plus Canada's preparations for the World Cup, or at least qualifying. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Frank Saravelli on Evander Kane, plus the Oilers, Leafs, and Canucks. But up next, Tuesday Roundtable, Arish Markaz, Arash Markazi, John Paul Morosi, and Ivanka Osbeck. Should be fun, Tim and Friends. Let's go! Now, the moment we've all been waiting for. Here are the 23 athletes that will represent our country at the 2022 Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. 
Cross clipped in. Insignia's there! Brilliant finish! They know they have a real jewel in the shape of Insignia. All for one. I think the answer's in that locker room. I mean, why would I trade a first-round picker, one of our top prospects, to, uh, to have somebody give us a little bit of a boost? And then next year we have a press conference and you're asking me about more secondary scoring again. All the way to the end zone! And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide! After 41 years, the University of Georgia are national champions. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Some breaking news as we begin the second segment on a Tuesday. I wanted to go grab a quick tweet that I had sent out uh, yesterday, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, uh, a little shot of the Giants running their third and nine quarterback <laughs> sneak. Yeah. And the tweet read like this. I can't believe that Giants management would put up with running a play like that. It's embarrassing both a white flag and a red flag. Joe Judge must be great in meetings. Uh, about a minute ago, Ian Rappaport sourced the Giants have fired Joe Judge. Wow. Wow. So I guess the Giants did not put up with that. No. Play. Black Monday turns into Black Tuesday in the NFL. Crazy. That uh, is wild. Also got a match game going. Uh, after Georgia started, Kobe Dean was given an Alabama National Championship hat. We decided to do a match game. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since blank. As we gather the round table, Jesse, you want to throw a couple more out there? Make sure you send them with the hashtag, Tim and Friends, with the hashtag match game so that we can get yours quickly. I wonder how uh, Joe Judge is going to make it into this match game now that he has lost his job. Uh, Jacob says, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since the Seahawks decided not to run the ball. It was a mistake. Cost him a Super Bowl. No question about that. Eric, uh, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since, oh, you remember this? The Oscars? Yes. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. <laughs> I forget what, which movie was the one that they originally said had won. I feel like we're, we've, we've, hit a, we've hit a few of these in award ceremonies. This was, I remember where, like, was it where La La was Land was the other one? Mm, might have. Oh, yeah, it was. Yes. Confirmation. It was La La Land. <laughs> I got confirmation. I love how you were going to give me the no. No, no. I was going to give you the no, and then I got confirmation from our friends in the control room. Um, yes. So that was both good movies, but a mistake nonetheless. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since uh, Katie Eagle says, the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Hey, he's turning into something. I get it. Jefferson's really good. But I, th- I think, like, don't don't completely judge. All, r- all right, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. Uh, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since Chase says Jean yeah. Van de Velde at the British Open. Yeah, yeah, that was quality. That was, yeah. uh, Tyler, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since the Springfield nuclear power plant hired Homer Simpson <laughs> as a safety inspector. That's a bad mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bad. Yeah. Not not great, Homer. Not great. Uh, our friend Hingle McCringleberry. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since, uh, well, the biggest mistake in TV history at Thunder Mifflin. Kevin, okay. dropping the chili. I do like Kevin. Uh, Roger wrote in. I got one over here, uh, producer, director, Rob Zito, if you got it. Uh, since Jesse Rubinoff shaved on No Makeup oh, Day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was a huge mistake. Dry patches everywhere. Uh, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since Nitro, the Chris Webber timeout, which evidently he didn't have one. So that was these a are, uh, These are, like, a lot of these are just factually correct. 
Uh, I don't know how I'm like, is that amusing? Is that, don't we need more specifics? Okay, hold on. No? Let's let's move on then. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since uh, Crawford didn't use Wayne Gretzky in the shootout. Yeah, I, I had one of those with a, with a picture. Uh, Robert wrote in, same one over here. Uh, Nagano, 1998 Winter Olympics. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not when 99 is sitting on the bench, not great. All right, uh, still to come is Lorenzo Insigne, the greatest player to sign in the MLS, and just who might pick up Evander Kane. But second segment on a Tuesday, which can mean only one of two things. One, I finally spend the time to sing Verde's opera Rigoletto and the beginning of Act 3, La Donna Immobile. Or the virtual roundtable has been assembled. Thankful for Corbin working in audio today. It is indeed the latter. That's right, kids. We have combed the continent far and wide to bring you the type of edutainment that you demand from Tim and Friends. Today, we have an all-star, all-around sports knowledge group starting in Ann Arbor, Michigan, with one of the few Harvard graduates who doesn't start every sentence with, well, as a Harvard graduate. You might know him from his work on MLB Network, his moonlighting on the NHL Network, and a longtime friend of the show. Please help me welcome back John Morosi. What's up, Morosi? Tim, I heard Immobile and also Insigne, and I thought we were going to name the entire starting 11 of Italy's championship squad at the Euros. That's what may have inspired me to go from Insigne to Immobile, because that's what I do every time Immobile scores as I sing from Rigoletto. All right, to L.A., where our next guest, not to be outdone, went to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State, won awards at USC. Since then, he has been at SI, ESPN, L.A. Times, now hosts his own radio show and pod, among other things. Ladies and gentlemen, Arash Markazi. What's up, Arash? Timmy Julian Kubasi, how are you? Good to see you, my friend. Merci, merci. Chetuli Kubi, Arash Merci. All right, so we've done the Italian, we've done exactly. the Farsi. I don't know much Ukrainian, so I'm sorry for our next guest. Not only is she simply one of the best in this building, but she went to Queens, which for some folks, uh, they act like it's Harvard. Except during Frost Week, then it's Arizona State. Or yeah, engineering, engineering frosh week, I might add. I had a couple of buddies oh, that were this. Wow. Look at this. So off your so so another Arash yeah. uh, has been providing providing outfits for my kids. So is, that a, is that a Vikings jersey? In our house. Anyways, they just wanted to say hello and uh, and now I'm gonna get them out there and the match game. I want to add this before I get them out of here because the biggest mistake, I was going to say Steve Harvey back in the Miss Universe in 2015. <laughs> However, I think my youngest has just gone to the washroom, so that might be the biggest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, let me just... So that, I think we've just won the match game. Ivanka, if you need to take care of a few things, we understand we'll start somewhere else. Uh, that is Ivanka Osmak. And I guess this is the part where I sheeples you say after the civil engineer is handling all that, that I went to Carleton where the K stands for quality. Uh, speaking of education, because we know the kids are all there to get an education, the national championship game went last night, Lucas Oil Stadium. And Arash, how the hell, like, are you, were you in Indiana and are now in L.A.? 
Yeah, I hopped on a flight this morning. I am back. Uh, you know, listen, I, I got to be at these big events. I'm going to have FOMO if I don't go. But my goodness, it was nine degrees. And I love Indiana. I love it as a Final Four city. I love it as the basketball town. I do believe that is the last time that they host a major football game. No Super Bowls, no college football. But what an amazing atmosphere. I mean, they had not won a national championship in 41 years. Grown men were crying in the stands, hugging kissing who cares about the omicron variant they were having a fantastic time last night yeah it was unbelievable for us canadians to watch that game yesterday um i don't want to bring this up because i know someone lives in ann arbor and i know that their wife works at the university of michigan but the all sec battle john paul morosi in big 10 country like it must hurt to be watching these games repeatedly without a big 10 and or two hours down the road in South Bend, Notre Dame there. Well, Tim, we're just grateful that Michigan finally ended their streak against yeah, Ohio, Ohio State. State yeah. we, we start with small victories. I, I really think Michigan got about as far as they could have gotten and plenty of talk now in town. Will Jim Harbaugh potentially take a job in the NFL? We shall see. But I think in general, we are seeing that getting to the Final Four is possible for a team like Michigan, but that the SEC was, is, probably always will be the power center of college football in this country. They just play on a different plane, a different level than the rest of the country. And we saw a very close game between the two class teams right now, the SEC. And I think they left no doubt as to which two teams are the best in the country right now. Before I get to the national championship game with Ivanka Osmak, are you okay, Ivanka? <laughs> Am I okay? Yeah, like is everything. Uh, this yeah. is the longest. This is the longest break I've had without kids, so I'm more than okay. I'm just gonna sit in here. There's like kids bot playing in the other room. It doesn't matter. Uh, awesome. Matter. All right. So, so I let's... was gonna. I was gonna ask if there was a. Oh, I, I know I hate using these two words together. Memorable moment, but a moment that you would tattoo on your body if you are a Georgia fan of what last night's game represented like one play one picture Uga, is there something rash that stands out from last night's game that you would tattoo on your body maybe not you but a Georgia fan you know the moment that they knew that they had won the game was that pick six and so that clip that they just showed of the grown man crying and again that that was happening throughout the crowd. Uh, it was that moment, you know, because you don't believe that you're going to win. As a Georgia fan, you've had your heart ripped out. You've had big leads lost. So that just joy of saying, this game is done, uh, that is the moment. And again, we've been through a lot these past two years. So to see people embrace and have a good time for one night, it was incredible. Yeah, I don't know if anyone saw uh, Stetson Bennett on Good Morning America. We're going to play the <laughs> clip a little bit later, but he obviously had a really yes. good time uh, after the game. But it's funny how we, we do this with quarterbacks, John, where they always get the ink spilt on them, but there was no doubt where that game was won. And amazingly, against the Bama team, it was won in the trenches. Like, it was the front seven of Georgia, and they just kind of outmanned Alabama, which is rare to say. They did. We very rarely speak after a game of this magnitude where Alabama has been on the losing end of a game in general, but certainly specifically because of being controlled against the line of scrimmage in the fashion that you described by Georgia. I think certainly we saw, and again, my 
parochial Michigan perspective here, watching the semifinal game, Michigan, which had, I think, certainly exerted their will against Ohio State, really never had a chance against Georgia. And and Georgia, right from the beginning of that football game, was the physically and tactically dominant team. And I think Nick Saban, for all of his coaching talents and accolades, he ran up against a team that had the same level of talent, maybe even more talent than what Alabama had, and then schematically was able to dominate the line of scrimmage, which you almost never say we said that last night. All right, Morose, I want to stick with you for a split second because we had some problems getting the Zoom calls together and get everyone uh, on, on this virtual roundtable, so we're going to run out of time. But I know that you have released your ballot for the Baseball Hall of Fame. We are two weeks away from those ballots needing to be in, cast, and, uh, and sorted through. And I wanted you to explain your 10-person ballot to us and what went into your thinking, then we'll take the break and we'll come back and we will discuss and go over Mr. Morosi's ballot for the Baseball Hall of Fame. But can you let us know, uh, obviously I've looked at it, I've seen it, and uh, there is an interesting look at the uh, suspected PED users on your list. Tell me a little bit more about it. Sure, Tim. So a couple things. Number one, I've always said very clearly on my ballot that if you test positive for PEDs, I will not vote for you. So A-Rod does not qualify on my ballot, nor does Manny. I do vote for Bonds and Clemens. I have every year. Uh, this is, of course, their final chance at, uh, at getting into the Hall of Fame via the writers. I have voted for them once more. David Ortiz, there was, of course, the, the survey testing where his name appeared on a list. But to me, Tim, there has never been enough enough really fortified information and and concrete evidence with that particular survey testing from 2003 that I would consider that to be enough to not vote for David Ortiz. So I vote for Ortiz. See the rest of the names there. Uh, some may ask why I voted for Jimmy Rollins and Mark Burley with the final two spots on my ballot. I do believe, and I'm, I'm kind of, Tim, a big hall guy. As you know, I, I want everybody to be around the dinner table together. I'm, I'm sort of, that's sort of my, my attitude about life. Yeah. So I do max out my ballot, and I do usually reserve some spots to make a statement about players who I believe belong in the conversation for just more than a couple years. Burley and Rollins fit that standard for me. I hope to vote for Helton and Wagner in the future, but those were the two toughest omissions for me on this ballot. All right, so since we're gathered at the dinner table, allow that to marinate. We will take the break. When we come back, Arash and Ivanka will get their say on whether or not they believe Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. Ivanka, you okay there? <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking. Ready to work tonight? <laughs> Is that water? <laughs> Markazi, Morozi, Osmak, and McAuliffe gathered here for the virtual roundtable. So we heard from John Paul Morozi on his 10 nominated for the hall. Ivanka Osmak, do you have any quarrel with our good friend John Paul? It's complicated. It's complicated, isn't it? I, you know, you could ask me any day or morning, afternoon, and I change my opinion. I just find it's. I, I I have a hard time. I, I mean, I don't have a vote, but but voting for Bonds and Clemens, um, and yet, how can you talk about baseball or how can you have a hall without including them? Um, so as of right now, I'm going to just be 
the contrarian and say, no, I would not vote for them. Um, I understand who's the, there's a fellow in Texas, I believe, who, who has the votes or ballots that come in and he's got about 40 or more than 40% of the votes. And right now it doesn't look like either of them will get in. Is that what I'm understanding? Um, just because there's such a significant drop of the votes he, uh, the ballots he doesn't receive. Um, yeah, I, I I would say no at this point. I just still have a problem with it. And if I'm not voting them in, then I probably won't vote Ortiz or Rodriguez or Ramirez. That's that's how I go. Yeah, not Mr. Tibbs is the guy who does all yeah. the legwork on this and puts it online so that everyone can see where we're at on the voting. But usually for Bonds and Clemens, uh, the mail-in votes, the, the new school, like John Palmarosi, who will announce where they're at, will have them higher. And then when the old school puts their ballots in, they drop a little lower. Uh, Markazi, tell me what you think about uh, these numbers right here, according to, to not Mr. Tibbs right now. Yeah, listen, I mean, I totally agree with John here. Listen, this is like a Persian party. If I got 10 plates at the dinner table, all 10 will have <laughs> someone sitting in front of them. And I want a good story. Again, you cannot talk about the story of baseball without including Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, David Ortiz, Kurt Schilling. Listen, I don't have to agree with the guy politically to say he was a fantastic pitcher. And you cannot tell the story about baseball the Red Sox that come back against the Yankees without including these men. So listen, I know that there's a lot that goes into it, but the one thing John said that I 100% agree with, if Major League Baseball did not discipline them, if they did not suspend them, who is it for me to say I am, you know, you, you cannot go into the Hall of Fame. I can't do that. So if they did not get suspended, you are in. Okay, so I want to sit at your table. I want to enjoy the gourmet sabzi. I want to enjoy uh, the the parmesan. I want to enjoy the chicken parm if John Paul Morosi is cooking. Yeah, hold the hold the pierogies from the Ukrainian in the mix. Um, I, but let me like, don't you think that if we if we and I respect both your opinions a lot, so we're allowed to disagree in 2022. Don't you think that baseball's legacy of cheating, like? How can we call banging on a trash can a bridge too far if we allow two of the biggest cheaters of our generation into the hall? John Morosi. I, in high school, had the number to the guy who could supply me with the steroids because I thought in order to be a good athlete, I had to do steroids. How do you, how do you, how do you look at all that and say, I, you know, I just don't have a suspension and say we let them in. Because I think that, I think that they, they correlate. Like, I think that baseball's history of cheating from whether it be spider tack and you don't think it's a big deal to Apple watches and Apple watches turn into banging on trash cans, they're all correlated. Or to the legendary spitball of Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry. And it's very difficult to parse these different transgressions in the history of the game. And all the, the points you raise are very, very fair. Where I come down on this is we have a total incomplete amount of information pre-2005 in particular. And I certainly I can't pretend to know everything that's happened even since the testing began. Right. But I really don't know what happened before 2005. And so I think it's entirely possible, without speculating, it's entirely possible that we already have people who use PEDs who are in the Hall of Fame right now. And so there is a certain segment, I know that 
Jose Canseco has basically voiced this at different times uh, publicly that he, he finds it hypocritical of writers who would support or not support, let's say, uh, Bonds and Clemens, if they were not going to support for them, but support others, he would then say, well, look at others who theoretically possibly could have used PED. So it just it makes it difficult ethically for me to say and pick favorites based on what we might or might not know. Right. I just say, listen, what we know for sure is that since 2005, the league has suspended people like A-Rod, like Manny, like Rafael Palmero, like Ryan Braun like Robinson Cano, all of whom have Hall of Fame caliber numbers, but they're not going to get support from me because what I do know, I hold on to that one thing, I do know for sure they violated the rules. And that, to me, is enough, and everything else is not quite enough. I wish we had more time here. And, and for those who say, you know, like, all you have to do is look at the head size of Barry Bonds, I take umbrage with that. Just because you have a <laughs> massive head doesn't mean that you did steroids at some point in your career. working out for you, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or a beard. Uh, all right. So I was going to finish with Clay Thompson, but we only got about 90 seconds left here. Ivanka, the, the Clay Thompson story is unbelievable to come back this long, is, is this one of the very few athletes that can actually unite fans in kind of the universal love that he got from the basketball community? Chills. I mean, chef's kiss when he returned. It's just, it's it's fantastic. Out more than 930 days, what was it, 941? Um, and to return with everything that's been going on, as a fan, I want to see the best athletes perform and um, at their highest level. And it's great having him back, you know, <laughs> not that I am comparing myself to Clay, but going on maternity leave, I'm gone for, what, 356 days. And I know how nervous I was coming back for my first show after that. So I can only imagine the nerves. But uh, gosh, he shook him off and um, he looks pretty good. So it, I, th I think it's great to have him back. And it's great for the NBA. It's great for fans. It's great for sports. Uh, listen, the, the technical difficulties off the top squeezed us a little bit. Uh, I would love to have all of you back uh, and do this a little bit more prolonged so that we can get more out of this. Morozzi, appreciate you. Osmac, go check on the kids. And Marcazzi, get some sleep, my friend. <laughs> Thank you for doing this on the short notice, everybody. All the best. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, there is Marcazzi, Morozzi, Osmac, and McAuliffe, the round table. Disassembled. All right, time for a break. We'll get you caught up on the news of the day, then talk some hockey with Frank Saravelli. Could Evander Kane be back in the NHL, making a big difference on another team? We'll discuss that. The Leafs in Vegas, the Canucks starting a very tough road trip in Florida. Tim and Friends rolls on with some hockey talk. Next. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and Friends of the Show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Half hour more on Sportsnet ahead of Hockey Central. Frank Saravelli will join us shortly. Things moving on Evander Kane. How quickly? Maybe very quickly. Mm -hmm. We have a full hour on Sportsnet 360, which will include Craig Forrest and the match game. Jesse Rubinoff, am I hearing good things about today's match game? Well, it looks like uh, the match game is trending on Twitter. Hashtag match game, hashtag uh, Tim and friends. 
Uh, and the reason that's good is because you can't see it here. It's actually on TweetDeck, which I don't have open. But what I do have to say about that <laughs> is that's why it's important to hashtag match game and hashtag Tim and Friends because that's how we get up there. So what we would like is if you continue to send in your right. match games so that we can skyrocket. Let me pull the curtain back. We got a we got a, a note on our WhatsApp that. Uh, Tim and Friends was trending number seven in Canada. And then when you open it up, it wasn't number seven in Canada, was it? Well, that's on the actual Twitter. But TweetDeck, TweetDeck, I'll peel the curtain back even more. <laughs> TweetDeck is actually faster. And I didn't have TweetDeck over oh, right now. So really? TweetDeck has the actual trends, and it's faster saying uh, that we're trending. I don't know. And the actual Twitter. I think it's all algorithms. There. I don't know. Because that'll happen yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes on one computer, seven trend in the in Canada is not there. Well, you don't have I to don't lie know how to me, just disappear. I don't, that wouldn't make any sense. No, you don't have to lie to me. All right, so either way, send in your match games. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you a few uh, in mere moments. Oh, now we're number nine. I have it. Now I have it. Where on was tweet it deck. two seconds ago? It was eight. And oh, so that's why we need more. We need more. I'm looking at it. Hashtag Tim and Friends, number nine. Can looking we, at can it we right take now. his computer? Or is that some sort of... No, it's on, it's on TweetDeck. You can take it. Number nine. Okay. Right there. See? It moves fast. I told you. TweetDeck <laughs> tweet is more instant than Twitter. Right. So there you go. I got it. That's a, that's uh, a let's get at. you caught up on what you need to know. Here's what's <laughs> happening at this hour as we get all vain with where we are trending in Canada on Twitter. The Leafs are in Vegas. We know that. Uh, they're facing the Golden Knights tonight. Still uh, no Mitch Marner for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jack Campbell will get the start in net again. Peter Morazic scheduled to start in Arizona tomorrow in the back-to-backs. The Canucks back in action for the first time since New Year's Day as they continue a long road trip in Florida against the Red Hot Panthers squad. Canucks have five games over the next eight days with stops in Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Washington before concluding in Nashville. They're an impressive 8-0-1 under Bruce Boudreaux to put themselves back in the playoff chase. You can see it on Sportsnet Pacific regionally, 4 p.m. local time. Note that. The 7 p.m. Eastern start, 4 p.m. local. More NHL action on Sportsnet tonight. We've got the Lightning and the Sabres at 7 Eastern. While getting Malkin will make his season debut for the Penguins in Anaheim. You can catch that on Sportsnet, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Got it good. And since you understood, the Beijing Olympics are just three weeks away, a little over three weeks away. And Canada's women's hockey team was announced a short time ago. And I'll look at the 13 forwards, of course, headlined by the best player on planet Earth, Marie-Philippe Poulain, who will be looking to add yet another signature moment to her remarkable career. Friends of the show, Sarah and Nurse Natalie Spooner, will once again rep Canada. Final cuts among the forwards were Victoria Bach and Kristen O'Neill. Now, Aaron Ambrose and Renata Fast headline the defense. Megan Mickelson was one who misses out among the final cuts. Uh, Campbell, Debien, and Mashmeyer are the three goalies. In total, there are 13 returnees from the 2018 Olympic squad. And the way they announced it was very cool. If you want to see it, we'll, uh, we'll retweet Hockey Canada if we haven't already. Have mm-hmm. we done that yet, Jesse? Let's retweet the Hockey Canada tweet because it was really cool. They had kids come We're out. Got it good and since you understood. Oilers GM Ken Holland met with the media this morning in Edmonton. Earlier in the show, we heard his thoughts on Evander Kane saying he believes in second chances. Now, as rumors swirl about where Kane might end up, Holland was also asked about his head coach, Dave Tippett, 
and if a coaching change could be on the horizon. No, I haven't fired a coach midseason. Um, I don't believe in it, I guess. Well, there's that. <laughs> Jack Eichel was on the ice uh, skating with the Golden Knights today. It was his first time on the ice with the team since he was acquired from the Sabres and underwent the controversial surgery in November. Eichel was asked if he uh, had a target date for his return to game action. I was actually thinking about suiting up tonight, but they wouldn't let me go. So, um, no, um, <clears throat> I wish. Uh, I, I wouldn't say there's really a target date at this at this point. I think it's, um, you know, see how you feel and see how you progress and um, how confident and comfortable you are. And I think at that point, uh, you know, you'll know, I, I feel like I'll know mentally and physically and emotionally when I'm ready to go. Um, you know, the team, the organization has been so supportive and, uh, you know, not not putting a, a hard date on when I need to be back or, or when they would expect me to be back. So it's it's been, uh, you know, very low pressure. Speaking of returns, Tuka Rask set to return to the Bruins. He was released from his AHL PTO today and signed a deal with the Bruins for the remainder of the season. Pro-rated $1 million deal will pay him just over $500,000 for the rest of the season. How much of a difference can he make? We'll ask Frank Saravelli in mere moments from now. The Red Wings, meanwhile, have hired legendary defenseman Nick Lidstrom as their new president or vice president of Hockey Ops. He joins former teammate Steve Eiserman in the front office. He was among the best defensemen to have ever played the game, spending his entire 20-year playing career with the Detroit Red Wings. All right, uh, time now to bring in someone to sort through all of this hockey news that we have on our plate today, and who better to do it with than Hockey Insider, president of Hockey Com uh, Content and Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravelli. Welcome back to the show, Frank. How are you? Tim, I'm doing good. I'm liking the beard. Thank you, sir. I'm. Uh, we don't have makeup around because of this whole Omicron <laughs> thing, and I figured why not grow a beard and hide all of the blemishes under there? <laughs> yeah, I like it mostly because I can't grow one. <laughs> <laughs> you still can't grow one? You do have the baby face. I'll give you that, man. Yeah. But not uh, looking a little uh, old and senior up here, though. So. Yeah, I got some. Silver-haired millennial lives on. <laughs> I got some gray patches in the beard too. I'm not going to throw stones from my glasses. This Evander Kane thing, like, how fast is this moving? Because depending on where you look and who you listen to, it feels like this could happen quickly. Yeah, I think it's certainly a matter of when and not if. I'm okay. told that the Evander Kane camp with Agent. Dan Milstein had wrapped up interviews with teams that were just going through their own character references and checks over the last number of days and that the interviews had wrapped up at some point this afternoon or this evening and that uh, a decision would be forthcoming. He had told uh, others that it would ha happen in the next week or so, potentially by the end of this week. But it certainly sounds like it could be moving potentially even quicker than that. Um, Tim Peel, the former National Hockey League referee who does some work with us at Daily Faceoff, had reported uh, just a short time ago on Twitter that Evander Kane has chosen the Edmonton Oilers. Now, my sources have not confirmed that. Uh, Tim's sources, you know, certainly no reason to doubt them. Uh, so that would be interesting, and it would sort of jibe with the comments that you had just referenced from Edmonton Oilers general manager Ken Holland saying that he believes in second chances. And, 
I think, you know, the thing is, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you probably owe it to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to exhaust every option and opportunity to get this team out of the funk that they're in and get them into the playoffs. I think the question is, how would Evander Kane mesh with the Edmonton Oilers? That's the question that every team and manager that's had a contending team has been asking themselves over the last number of days. Obviously, Evander Kane is is this a due diligence? Is it a desperate times call for desperate measures for the Edmonton Oilers? Like where they've been knocking before if in fact this is the ultimate destination for Evander Kane? Because listen, I know the character this isn't second chance. This is third, this is fourth, this is maybe fifth chance for Evander Kane, but like 30 goal scorers who are tough don't grow on trees. They don't, and that's why Evander Kane was going to probably get every opportunity. And if it wasn't going to be now, um, you know, if he didn't potentially open up the door here with this alleged misconduct that took place over the holiday break, then it was just going to happen in the summer when it certainly seemed like Evander Kane and the Sharks were heading towards a buyout. That would have made him a bit of a wealthier man. Two-thirds of $23 million is certainly a lot better than the likely minimum contract that Evander Kane would be signing for. And, and certainly given the Oilers and and a lot of these teams that are operating so close to the cap, that's what makes them so attractive. It's, hey, we can take a chance um, because there's not a significant financial risk and or penalty here if this goes sideways. Um, so, you know, I think that part of this is desperate times call for desperate measures for the Oilers, too. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if their leadership group, starting with Connor McDavid, weighed in heavily, um, you know, in terms of potentially connecting with Evander Kane throughout the process to feel him out on what this might be like. If he does sign with the Edmonton Oilers, this will be a story that will be watched very closely, and I hope that Evander Kane has the support group that he... I mean, the guy's been through a lot, Frank, over the last little while, and, you know, sometimes being with an NHL team can give you uh, support that you wouldn't have necessarily, uh, even the monetary support that you get, but the, the systems in place when you're in the NHL can help people get over things. From what you heard, though, were there GMs that didn't want to go anywhere near this? 100 percent. I mean, I talked to a number in the last few days that were like, look, respect the player, certainly all that he brings to the ice. But there's no chance that I want to inject that type of potential personality into our locker room and our culture, because I think when you boil it down at the end of the day, Tim, you can you know, ask all the questions that you want about his office conduct, about the gambling, about the uh, 21 game suspension for submitting a fake vaccination card or the investigations that took place on on domestic abuse abuse or assault, you know, all those things, including this thing that potentially happened over the holidays and the contract termination and the grievance, what it boils down to is what I reported back in June, that the San Jose Sharks players had gone to management in their exit meetings and said, we can't win with this guy. We don't want him around. We can't go into next season with Evander Kane on our roster. And the fact that you know, all those things then took place later in the summer and opened the door for the Sharks to then give them a reason to say, hey, we're just going to park you in the AHL. And somehow through all of that, you would think that that would be the sort of rock bottom, the wake up call. My career's on the line here. And instead, you know, we have the situation that pops up over the holidays that is, is just a gift on a silver platter for the San Jose Sharks to say, hey, we were going to have to buy you out and eat a significant chunk of your contract on our salary cap. And instead, we have the chance to potentially wiggle out of this. Now, we'll see how much 
um, backing the Sharks have in terms of their legal reasoning as they go to this impartial arbitrator here over the next week, days and weeks. But, you know, the, the fact that the Sharks were able to even have a glimmer of hope at doing that, um, you know, to me raises a lot of questions and red flags. Is this actually the best thing for Evander Kane, yeah. given that 48 hours after you're clearing waivers, you potentially have a new deal in the NHL. What kind of message does that send to him about what he can do potentially off the ice? I mean, listen, Jesse and I talked about this in the start. If you have world-class talent in any sport right now, it seems as though you will get opportunity after opportunity, and that hasn't changed a heck of a lot over the last couple decades. Like, that's just the truth. I mean, go through the list. Antonio yeah. Brown. I mean, how many players have gotten yeah. that opportunity? Without a doubt. Listen, I, I know you, you're, you're as uh, connected as anyone in, in the game. And another thing Jesse and I were talking about, about a minute and a half left here, is now that these Canadian teams have kind of gone through what looks like almost a second pause, how condensed is the schedule going to be? And are there concerns about what the Canadian teams are going to have to go through now that they're kind of seemingly or hopefully on the tail end of that pause. It's going to be a significant grind. I mean, there's really no question about that. You just It becomes a, a math thing. How many days left are between now and April 29th? How rigid uh, is the NHL to sticking to that schedule? We believe uh, that will be the case, at least at the moment, that they're not going to push the regular season back another week or 10 days. They're confident that they can get all 82 games in by then with the three-week Olympic break. But still, uh, it becomes a simple math equation. Are we talking about 50 some games and 106 105 days like whatever the math is it's a lot of games in a short period of time and certainly uh players are going to be heading into the break uh, heading into the playoffs after the fact uh certainly exhausted yeah uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch before i let you go just got to ask you what, what kind of difference do you think tuka rask can make with the boston bruins I, you know, I was wondering as they've gotten it together here in the last six games, five and one, if they really needed him, uh, Linus Olmark playing better, but a significant one. Anytime you can add a Vezina Trophy winner to your lineup and at a price like that, why not? Uh, and teams have shown all year long, Tim, that they need three goalies. Yeah, especially in these times. Uh, Mr. Cerevelli, always great information. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Tim. Uh, there is Frank Cerevelli, Hockey Insider, President of Hockey Content at Daily Faceoff. Very interesting stuff. Does it feel like, just in your gut, Jesse, mm-hmm. does it feel like Evander Kane is going to Edmonton? Yeah, yeah. it does, which is interesting because, like, at the beginning of this, like, everyone sort of zeroed in on Edmonton right away. But as Elliot pointed out and as Frank pointed out, like, t- 20 teams inquired right. about Evander Kane. But now we're hearing that, like, maybe he's actually going to go to Edmonton. It's just interesting how, like, we got that little smoke at the beginning of the story, and it could be turning to fire here. Uh, Two reasons why I think this could transpire. One, I think the Edmonton Oilers really need that kind of help. And two, I'm going to go three things. Second thing, the way Ken Holland was speaking Mm -hmm. about Evander Kane today made me feel like he was either planting seeds to make sure that his fan base knew that he did the due diligence on this or that they were actually going to sign him. And for Evander Kane, if you're trying to prove that you are still an elite-level player, what better place for short-term than to play with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid? It doesn't mean you have to stay there long-term. If it works out, 
and they offer you a nice deal and you feel like playing with those guys works for you, then he can stay or he can put up some real numbers playing with two of the best players on planet Earth and then get another contract somewhere else. Oh, it's a huge win situation for Evander Kane. It's yeah. just a matter of what it's going to do for the Edmonton Oilers moving forward. And, and the rest of that locker Is the room. juice worth the squeeze, as they say? But as we've talked about, it's not like Edmonton can just go out into the free agent market and say, hey, come on over to Edmonton. It's a tough sell, like it's, it is for many Canadian yeah. teams. It's just, it's worrying, it's concerning that what happened over the holiday break with Evander came, where he traveled over the border and left protocol. So it's just weird that that would happen again. And now, a month later, or less than a month later, he may find another team. There's a lot of things that are concerning <laughs> about what's happened with Evander yeah, Kane, let's tough. be honest. And yeah. let's hope that it's good for him. Uh, time for a break. Uh, we'll get into Hockey Central on Sportsnet shortly. We'll also get a Raptors injury update, some breaking news with the Toronto Raptors ahead of their game with the Suns. Plus, after the break, uh, some more match game. It's Tim and Friends continues right here on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. Still trending. More on the Evander Kane rumors that are spreading like wildfire in mere moments from now. But we have some breaking news from the Toronto Raptors. And earlier today, Jesse and I were discussing uh, this Suns game tonight at home in Toronto may have provided a real measuring stick for the Toronto yeah. Raptors, but little wrinkle in the plans. Yeah, uh, future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. both out of the lineup against the Suns. Barnes dealing with a knee injury, uh, Gary Trent dealing with an ankle issue. I mean, I guess the silver lining is that it's not COVID. Uh, it's just general banged up NBA injuries, it seems like. I, I hope that it's general banged up NBA injuries and it's not something Nothing more serious. significant yeah. uh, for both Barnes and <sighs> Gary Trent That's Jr. Disappointing. But they are out of the lineup, knee, ankle, respectively. Uh, Phoenix Suns tonight in Toronto looking for seven straight. Uh, meanwhile, rumors of uh, Evander Kane to Edmonton kind of listen I never thought that I, we would be quoting Tim Peel a former NHL official who's had uh, an interesting shall we say end of his career mm -hmm. but he's now doing work for daily faceoff as Frank Saravelli mentioned and he's reporting right now on Twitter that Evander Kane to Edmonton is basically done so obviously Hockey Central is coming your way in mere moments from now on Sportsnet. Jesse and I have kind of been following this the entire day. And just the way this has moved and how quickly the story has moved has kind of shocked both of us to the point where neither of us would be surprised if it is indeed the Edmonton Oilers. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I think that's where we're at, right, Jesse? Well, I mean, that's what Tim Peel is saying. And he does, uh, he's a rules analyst for the Daily Faceoff. So, I mean, take yeah, take it with a grain take, of salt. Yeah, take it, it for is what it's it worth. Uh, but it seems like uh, a lot of people are running with that news. And but Drager talked about it. Elliot talked yeah, about it. Sarah it seems talked, like it's happening. Right? Like a lot of teams who are up against the cap looking for an opportunity and just the common sense where people would be like, are you desperate enough to bring in Evander Kane despite his past? And maybe the Edmonton Oilers just check all of those boxes. And for Evander Kane, the boxes that are checked obviously are playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to up your potential at a long-term big money deal. Oh, it's an unbelievable situation for him. Like, they haven't had the, the bottom six scoring, and I guess some of the line mates with Drysaddle and McDavid haven't been pulling their weight. So you would think that Evander Kane's going to get every shot here to be in the top six. And what that does is it moves people down into the bottom six, and maybe they're a little better because of it. You never know what's going to happen in the room, but skill-wise, 
They're better if they how, make this signing. How often have you talked about secondary scoring I in know. and around McDavid and Drysaddle? And if Vander Kane's right, he can do that. He's done it in the past. Scored 30 in the NHL with with a little bit of sandpaper. Like it is a there aren't many of those guys out there. So we'll we'll keep you abreast of whatever transpires over the next. Uh, 5 and 35 minutes because Hockey Central is coming up. Carolyn Cameron and the crew will have you covered. Meanwhile, we are trending nationally on Twitter because of a match game started. <laughs> because of the wrong hat on the wrong dude. N'Kobe Deans plays for Georgia, won a national championship. They gave him a hat after said national championship. It had the Alabama logo on it. <laughs> Again, Georgia star, Kobe Deans, wearing an Alabama national championship hat, which led us to our match game. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since blank again. Hashtag match game, hashtag Tim and Friends, so Jesse can get out of yeah. quickly. Do you think there's any chance that he knew he was wearing an Alabama hat and was just doing this to troll? I don't put it past. You were going to say no. I was going to say no (laughs) immediately. There's not a chance he would do it. But I wouldn't put it past anyone in 2022. Because it seems like celebrity is everything to many, especially the young, in 2022. And that's why I wasn't on board with the dad, which people didn't like that take (laughs) all that much. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'm a hater. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) I haven't seen a mistake this bad since, uh, Ben, the 1992 World Series. (laughs) Yep. That's an upside-down Canada flag. Pretty good, Ben, yeah. Yeah, disappointing. Uh, Finn Fan Mike, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since the Natinals took the field. <laughs> That's pretty good, dude. Yeah. By the way, I think you can just call him Mike. Uh, Finn Fan Mike, yeah, I guess I could do that. <laughs> He's a regular enough contributor that uh, we're just on first-name basis now. Just call him Mike. Yeah, all right, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Uh, John says, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since... Uh, oh, my goodness. This is a good one. Leafs Bernier calls Nelson Mandela one of the most known athletes. Do you remember the firestorm that this set off? Sid and I had like an entire segment on what <laughs> this might have been. Do you remember that, Sebi? Like what he might have thought. <laughs> Sebi hasn't laughed that hard in the match game in a long time. That's tough. That's a tough one. Oh, uh, Ryan says, I have not a tough thing. one. Just don't, if you don't, when in doubt, leave it out. If you don't know, don't say anything. Well, he would have got, in fairness, he would have gotten ripped if he said, they asked him about Nelson Mandela and he said, I don't know who that is. I'm at a Nelson Mandela event and I don't know who Nelson right, Mandela Right, but he would have gotten whipped, ripped either way, but I mean, he, what he did was worse. I wish I knew no. more about Nelson yes. Mandela. Yes, very good. The Tim McAuliffe school of answers when you don't know the answer. Uh, I haven't seen a mistake this bad since uh, Joe Carter played for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, Toronto Blue Jays were pretty good back then. There's another one of those. Uh, okay, so why don't we get to the uh, Rip Tim portion of the show. I haven't seen a mistake this bad since uh, Tim's beer. <laughs> That's uh, actually pretty I haven't seen a mistake this bad since Tim's choice of sports coat for today. Uh, I'll hold on a second. I want to see what that guy's wearing today. <laughs> why don't you send in what you're wearing today? Keep uh, going. Metallica fan, I haven't seen a mistake that bad since uh, Jack Hughes called Tim Sid. And the final one, uh, I haven't seen a mistake that bad since just that picture. No, that one's not fair, and you know that, Jesse. Yeah, no, I'm just. Not I don't know fair. why people rip you. Like, I wasn't I allowed to shave picture. my head. I, I don't. There's nothing wrong with that picture. What's wrong with that picture? The turtle. It's not fair. I wasn't. My boss wouldn't let me shave my head. You can barely see the turtleneck at all because of the background. It is a turtleneck, right? All right, 
We're done. <laughs> Jesse may be back for the next segment. <laughs> Sportsnet Central, Hockey Central. I don't know what the hell is coming up. But Carolyn Cameron is going to host it with Sam Cosentino. And my hey, this is a group of three I really like. Sammy Cos, Futes, Cameron. I can't Maybe I can enough. join that crew next instead of continuing with Jesse Rubinoff on Sportsnet 360. I will do it with Craig Forrest. I can only call him Mike. He'll ease the burden. I can't call him Futes. I wasn't allowed. They know they have a real jewel in the shape of Insigne. He is the key. Cross clipped in. Insigne's there! Brilliant finish! The Neapolitan Lorenzo Insigne. Insigne! Oh, yes! Sensational volley! Could not have struck it any sweeter. Oh, and he's found a direct route to goal! A gorgeous strike from Lorenzo Insigne. Insigne cuts in. Insigne! That's another fantastic goal from the little man. Boy, was that special. It was the definition of perfect. Ciao, volevo salutare a tutti i tifosi del Toronto. Sono contento per questa nuova avventura. Volevo ringraziare la società e ci vediamo a lungo. All for one. Hey. <laughs> I like the all for one at the end. It has kind of some catch the taste vibes to it. Uh, but it was interesting, and it is a uh, maybe a bloody big deal 2.0. And for such big deals, we bring in our friend Craig Forrest, who joins us now, former Canadian international. How are you, Craig? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, I am very well. Jesse, I don't want to speak for you. Also very well. I'm doing well. very well. Are Craig, you a little thanks. concerned because there was a noise from behind? I, I, you saw me looking around. Yeah, I saw you looking. It we was had probably this, a light or something. A light fell. Something went down over there. So if uh, neither of us make it out of here, <laughs> uh, please take care of this for <laughs> us, uh, Mr. Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, a little nervous. Maybe Uncle Timmy a little bit nervous. So let me ask you this. We knew what we were doing, Craig. But I, I asked a question on Twitter saying... Is this the best player ever to play in MLS? And David Beckham's name came up, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic's name came up. Obviously, those are different times in their career, but we got people's back up against the wall. How do you answer that? Is he immediately the best player that has ever come to MLS given the time of his career? Arguably, yes. Uh, there's no question about that. He'd be in the argument. Uh, uh, in my opinion, I would say, yeah, it is. And it's an extremely uh, uh, massive moment, not only for Toronto FC, but for the league itself and, and the attentions uh, of the league moving forward. Uh, the timing of this was absolutely perfect. I think if it was a year ago or so, it might not have happened. Um, Napoli didn't want to lose him. They offered him a contract, which was less than what he was making now. Juve was in the picture. Um, we're talking about the biggest clubs, some of the biggest clubs in the world. Tottenham as well. Conte, knowing him very well, of course, from Italy and being the manager, he wanted him at Tottenham, but not at a five-year deal because at, when he comes to Toronto FC, he's going to be 31 years of age. Not to say he's not going to be good for two or three years, but for a five-year contract, I'd be a little bit concerned later on down the road. But they needed to do that to be able to entice him to Major League Soccer. Really good move from MLS and uh, great from Toronto SC, great from the fan base. But they needed to do something, didn't they? When you look at the last couple of years, they've been away with the pandemic. They've had half a season back at home last year, but uh, the seasons haven't been good. There's been some turmoil within the locker room. You know, so it's not looking that hot. So they really needed to make a splash and, and uh, you know, build some excitement around the club. And they certainly have done that in a 
big, big way, and I don't think they're finished. I know I know Javinko was a big star in Toronto, but if you went back to Italy, he was kind of lost. Uh, the national team, he, he didn't get much time with the national team when he joined the MLS. Has the MLS's reputation across the world um, been lifted enough that Lorenzo Insigne doesn't have to worry about something like that happening to him? Well, I, I think with the Insigne compared to Seba, uh, uh, he was great when he was in Toronto FC. So, yeah, is he a better player than uh, Sebastian Javinko uh, when he left Italy, when he was playing in Italy? Absolutely. No question about it. Not even close. But remember, Sebastian Javinko showed up here and he was a bloody big deal. Defoe was supposed to be that. Did it on the field, but never settled off the field. So there's a little bit of a worry is with Lorenzo about that as well, because everybody's considering this or going to be an absolute slam dunk. Um, not necessarily. And uh, you got to remember, Giovinco showed up. And if he matches anything close to what Seba did in Toronto, he's going to be uh, doing just fine. They'll be just happy enough with him. But he's going to be some spectacular player. He's Italian's. You know, we, we had on the podcast yesterday uh, Tancredi Palmaria, a journalist from Italy, and he said that, you know, it just shows you what uh, what's the intention and sort of uh, what's going on around Major League Soccer in around the world, and they're taking note about this and uh, to be able to outbid some of the biggest clubs in the world for a very important Italian, Italy's most important player, I'd say, at this present moment. It's a massive coup. All right, so let me ask you, you said... Uh... You didn't think they were done. Is there a couple other names that might be uh, in the hopper right now? Well, you know, Sebastian Javinko, I don't think that that's out of the question. I know that he loves Toronto. He spoke very, very highly. He embraced the city like no other designated player has done when they've come to Toronto. Even when he was playing in Saudi Arabia, uh, I think his family, for the most part, after the first year, was living back here in Toronto. So uh, the talks are going on about that uh, for for sure. Um, but there's only so many spots for designated players. What's the what's he's going to take? Uh, where does he fit into that structure? There still is a salary cap, but uh, believe it or not, it's around five million dollars. But Lorenzo uh, Insigne will be taken home with bonuses around sixteen million. That's crazy. All right, so I don't want to just keep focusing on TFC, but there's been a lot of news around the team, uh, not the least of which Richie Larea. Now this has a twofold uh, um, kind of. Uh, it affects two different things. It affects the national team, obviously, and it affects uh, TFC. But w- what do you make of his move to uh, Nottingham Forest? I think it's a great move for him. He's really uh, an excited you know, kid. Uh, say kid, he's 27, yeah. but uh, somebody that really wanted to play in Europe and experience that. And he's hungry to do so. So a club like Nottingham uh, seemed to be on the uptick. They look as though they're trying to push for a playoff spot this year. They had a massive result on the weekend beating Arsenal in the FA Cup, which uh, sets them up with Leicester next, which Richie Larea should be available for. So he's excited. I think that division, uh, I have to remember, it's one of the strongest divisions in Europe, uh, even this, even though it's a second tier in England. Um 
they're all pushing to be in that Premier League, and they've set themselves up Nottingham to do that. And and uh, I think the pace of that division will suit him. The aggressiveness will suit Richie Larea. Toronto FC will definitely miss him because he was a terrific uh, bright spot for that uh, team, especially last year, one of the very few. Um, but as far as Nottingham goes, Jimmy Brennan, former Canadian, he's also played there before. He's given some tips about what's going on. But it's a, it's a great club, and it's a sleeping giant, and I think he's in a terrific spot. This one's an interesting one because for Canada, um, does this signal maybe the rest of the world is starting to take note of the Canadian side and the other players outside of Jonathan David and, uh, and Alfonso Davies, obviously? Yes, absolutely. I think that that time now has passed when, you know, clubs in Europe would look at Canadians right off the the bat and you'd be, you know, right behind the eight ball, even if they hadn't seen you just because of where you're from and the lack of footballers that have actually come from Canada. Now you look at them and how they're uh, doing at the very top level in tier one football. Um, We are we're right there. Uh, when you look at the national teams, as we look at the standings of the of the uh, CONCACAF uh, World Cup qualifying squad, man for man, we're as strong as any of those teams. And, and I've said it, I think we're, we're the strongest squad in that side. And that's not just with John, Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies, but remember about Buchanan and the others and Osorio and Richie Larea. Fantastic group of players that uh, look set to make the World Cup, we certainly hope. Yeah, let's be honest here. Like, if you're if you're a scout from a European top-flight club and you're watching Canada do what Canada did, you know, um, in Mexico, uh, in different conditions against the United States, like, you don't you have to start taking note of all of the players and not just the very best? Yes, you do, and uh, and that's happening. Believe it or not, I mean, I think it. When you look at Richie Larea going for around seven hundred fifty thousand pounds, I think in the modern game that that is an absolute snip. That's very very inexpensive, and uh, this might be a, a real grounds to be able to pick up some great talent for you know for no money, and so to invest in it. Um, why not? You're not uh, investing an absolute uh, ton of money into great players that. For, for one, never give you a moment's problem as professionals. All Canadians have traditionally been excellent professionals, like the Scandinavians have been excellent professionals. And, you know, so there's never given anybody a moment's problem. And that's one thing about Richie, and I tweeted out about that, about Nottingham Forest getting themselves a quality player, but a quality human being, too, that's very hungry and willing to fight and, uh, and willing to learn. Yeah, and he's had to fight. And really interesting, his journey and why he'd want to go to Europe, given that he went to an NCAA school and he went through uh, TFC's development, the MLS Super Draft today. So we'll see if there's any others. But Tejon Buchanan, same thing, NCAA school, ends up at Club Bruges. It'll be interesting to see how many Canadians start maturing at different times. And maybe the rest of the world says... Okay, maybe that maybe that route isn't all that bad. I got to ask you about Canada before we go because there are some interesting uh, spots here. The Florida training camp uh, has been canceled. There's been some COVID problems within the team. They're friendly with Guatemala. Also has been canceled. Do you think this gives them um, a different hurdle heading into the next window of World Cup qualifying? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I, I, you know, knowing John Herman as well as I do, and, and watching him coach and seeing what he does and deals with, hey, this is just another little bump in the road. This is Concacaf. This is you know world quality 
qualifications. This is COVID. This is what it is. And whoever deals with it the best will be the ones that come out on top. He will make sure that he this he'll put this in a, in perspective. He will be disappointed, of course, because it's a time that he would love to have spent with the squad of players. But at the end of the day, the safety of the players, safety of everybody is uh, at the most of concern for everybody. They'll get their moments. It's not ideal, but it's definitely not the worst thing in the world. They can get over it. Um, so Honduras, January 27th. Um, Honduras has some history to it, especially traveling to Honduras. Uh, El Salvador and the United States in this window. What are you expecting to see? Well, one thing about Honduras at this present moment is they're, they're, they're not looking particularly good. So if they were really, really in the hunt, uh, I'd be a little bit more concerned. Um, but uh, saying that, they're not out of it yet. So uh, with Canada's confidence and with the players that have, have a winning mentality, uh, this is a different group that we've had before um, as far as that goes. They're used to winning from back to front. Milan Boyan playing in Serbia, he's winning it with the Red Star Belgrade, and you've got guys winning in Scotland and France and Turkey, and so they're winning. They're winners, and they're used to it, and then that uh, really does become a habit, just like losing can. So I don't worry too much about it. Not to say that they're not going to find it. They're going to find it easy, but I think the squad is too good to not get enough results or enough points to be able to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, let's let's circle back on this uh, in a couple of weeks as they get prepared for those games. I love talking soccer with you, Craig. Thanks, Tim. Great to see you guys. Uh, there is Craig Forrest, our old friend, joining us here on Tim and Friends. Um, El Salvador, Honduras, a little bit different than most other places <laughs> in Concacaf, and it'll be a different test for these guys. It'll be see. It'll be interesting to see how they. I've said interesting way too many times. But I'm really curious to see how they will react to going into those hotbeds and whether or not they'll be fans. Let's face it, Hamilton sold out in like seconds. Will they allow fans in Hamilton for Canada and the United Mm -hmm. States? Uh, Questions that need to be answered. Time for one last break. We'll wrap up. Last call to my friends. On a Tuesday. Jesse and I have been talking about how quickly all this Evander Kane stuff has been moving throughout the day. Rumors that he may be signing with the Edmonton Oilers. And his agent, Dan Milstein, uh, went to Twitter to address some of these things. Unfortunately, Dan uh, quote tweeted a fake David Pagnotta account. And I know it's fake because if you just cycle over here, Jesse, and you see the relevant people, you can see... uh, the author's kind of tagline, and it says, lover of racism and trolls. Yeah. Uh, so that's right not the David Pagnotta that we have grown to love over the last little while, Hockey Insider. But Dan Milstein did reference what he was saying, the troll. And the troll was saying that Evander Kane joins Edmonton on a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Deal is signed. So here's the actual information that I'm trying to convey to you. Milstein says, still interviewing teams, no contract in hand, salary not agreed, many details to be worked out, no travel plans over 48 hours, and the hashtag WeAreGoldStar is the agency 
that he works for. So despite the fact that it was a troll with the initial information, <laughs> we got some information out of the troll. Yeah. Pagnot also made clear on Twitter, like, watch out for fake accounts, because that thing, that tends to happen from time yeah, to time. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think lover of racism and trolls yeah, is Pagnotta's uh, bio line. Is that like, uh, you know you've made it when? When you got fake accounts? Like, we gotta find the fake Tim right. McAuliffe's out there. Do you, do you understand? I mean, I guess this is the example of why you do it. I don't understand why you are the troll account, though. Is this the example of why you're the troll account? What do you mean, why you're the troll account? Like, why would you, you make it? a troll account? I'm not a troll, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got too much time on your hands. Too much time on your hands? Yeah. Yeah, like, that's probably. I, I don't know. Why do, I don't know. I, you don't get any, like, financial benefit. No, you get zero out of it and, except tricking someone. Yeah, like, identity theft, usually, like, you, you glean something from, like, you... Yeah, you make some cash. You out. make some cash. Don't do that, obviously. It's a terrible thing. Uh, but you, we have to add that caveat to it. Don't do that. I don't, know, I don't want people to like get ideas bit. to like <laughs> identity theft because we're yeah. bigging up the trolls here. No, don't do it. Don't make fake accounts on Twitter. Don't steal other people's identity. I, I in love any how way, in 2022 you do have to add that caveat <laughs> that it's a bad thing. All right, let's get the last call. All right, fine. Uh, the Knicks beat the Spurs last night in a game featuring a couple of Canadians. 19-year-old Josh Primo. Had 11 points for the Spurs, but R.J. Barrett's game-high 31, 31 led the yeah. Knicks to a win and even some MVP chance at Madison Square Garden. A little bit premature, I think, with Timmy. Barrett was great last night, but is Primo the next pride of Mississauga, Ontario? Ooh, you are, like, I mean, like, we can go through basketball players from Mississauga, like Nick Stauskas, Mississauga, Dylan Brooks has a shot at the title yeah. of the pride of Mississauga. Mm. But I know what you're asking. Like, Josh Primo looks like he's 14 years old. He is 19. You know what? You know what? I would leave this question better to be answered by the Knicks broadcast crew, who may or may not know who the next pride of Mississauga, Ontario is. Primo high on in three. He looks like he's about 14 years old, Clive Primo. He's not much older than that. Just just turned 19 last month. Got a baby face, but he is talented young is player. Is he from, uh, he's a Canadian player, Mike. Is right. he from uh, RJ's hometown? He's from Mississippi, somewhere up in Canada. <laughs> where the Toronto, he's in Toronto. I'm not sure if it's the same small town as, as, as Barrett. What? <laughs> Clyde to Clyde doing his homework but Mike Breen comes on this show too like Clyde's been around like I can understand how he might be confused but Mike Breen's one of the best in the business yeah no small Mississauga you know what Mississauga is it's like double Cincinnati or there's 850,000 people in Mississauga that's double Orlando more than double Orlando more than double Cincinnati it's more than Columbus they don't care about us at all we don't need to play the into like the inferiority complex here. <laughs> Just the, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, whatever. They don't care. Whatever. It's fine. But it's like not knowing where Brooklyn is. And saying Brooklyn's a small town. I guess Brooklyn has a National Basketball Association team. All right, so Long Island. No, Long Island has a hockey team. All right, New York's a bad example. That's interesting to me. I'm trying to think of comparatives, but like, yeah, it just underscores that like they don't, they just don't care about us, which is fine. We don't have to complain about it, but 
to reality. Uh, Nolan Patrick went second overall to the Philadelphia Flyers in the 2017 NHL Draft, but according to Flyers executive Bobby Clark, that wasn't the popular choice. Clark appeared on the Cam and Strick podcast and was brutally honest about his feelings about former GM Ron Hextall. Have a listen. We get the second pick in the draft, and we end up drafting Nolan Patrick. None of our scouts wanted Nolan Patrick. <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, I don't know where Patrick should have gone after his performances in Brown, and he's a pretty good player, but he certainly, they had, uh, they wanted Makar. Of course, he went next. No, he's a superstar, and Patrick, Patrick hasn't played number, but Hextall made that choice himself. And there were other choices that were made in our drafts that we're paying for. You know, we've got two or three first-round picks that are never going to play. And that's why we're, we're struggling. Hexy made some huge mistakes. And our scouts were so mad at Hexy for doing that. We also had a chance to get O'Reilly from Buffalo, but we didn't. Obviously, that was the manager's decision. There's the bus. There's Ron Hextall. Uh, my dad's favorite player growing up was uh, Bobby Clark, so yeah. I'll be interested to see what he has to say about a, those. A guys. lot of people's favorite player, including in Philadelphia, which is probably why Bobby Clark is doing all that, right? Like, he's covering his own ass by saying that, right? Yeah, but like, I don't know, it, it's, yeah, I guess. It's one man, I guess one man's, yes, sure. I don't even have an answer to it. I don't have an answer to it. Yes, I, I, I don't like it. I'm not a fan of... I don't, no, you just threw Ron Hextall under the bus. He's gone. So, like, what? yeah, what's the point of doing that now? Yeah, right? and, and Hextall's doing okay right now, although it's different circumstances, yeah. obviously. Pens are doing fine. Um, and they did make some mistakes, but it seems to me like you're covering your own ass on what was a terrible pick, but those things happen all the time. I wonder if Bobby Clark, when he said it, knew that that was going to blow up like that. Come on. You think he did? You, if you say that we could have had Kale McCarr, or but this guy honest. didn't talk to anyone, yeah. Interesting. Hey, he, he could have been being honest. Interesting way sure. to go about it. Okay. Uh, earlier, we talked about uh, Georgia's victory over Alabama in the national championship game last night, and we teased the clip this morning. Bulldogs quarterback Stetson Bennett appeared on Good Morning America. Have a listen to this. Stetson, good morning, my friend. How you feeling this morning after that incredible performance last night? Have you had a chance to get any sleep? Uh, you know, a few hours. Um, <laughs> not many. Uh, I've been, been wondering about... Uh, yeah, no, not many. <laughs> <laughs> no sleep last night, eh? None. That's... I love the admission at the end like he tried to circle he tried to come up with what he thought he should say <laughs> and then there was just this admission like not, not a lot like it's so good there's zero there's none he's still enjoying the fruits of yeah. his labor and everyone loves it too. and he's a kid totally. so why the hell not love it uh that does it for us here's you can see tonight on the network we are done but there is loads of hockey and basketball on tap nxt on Sportsnet 360 right here. As always, we thank you for watching. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us, and we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.